Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. Amen. We are glad that you are here. Welcome. It is Mother's Day, and Pastor Philip, you led, so I'm going to take advantage of the same opportunity. Mom, I love you. No, actually, you are the best mom ever. We're greeting my mom. She's actually in the hospital today watching from, uh, from Fort Myers, but we love you. We'll be by later. I'm bringing a cheeseburger, okay? See you soon. <laughs> we are glad you're here. Welcome all the mothers, grandmas, spiritual mothers, mother-in-laws, even especially our mother-in-laws stepmoms, anyone who considers himself a mom. We are so thankful for you, and it fits perfectly, perfectly in our series. We've been talking about shooting our arrows, our lives, at a target, but not just any target. The world has plenty of targets you could shoot at. None of them will fulfill you. None of them will truly satisfy. None of them will bring that shalom peace that only God can bring. But when we aim our lives at the target that God has placed before you and before me specifically, that is where we find not only our fulfillment, but the pleasure of God. And so moms, as we aim our life for that, that's what we're talking about today. The problem is sometimes we aim our lives at a moving target. Let me tell you what I mean. You've been in love for years You've dedicated your life to him. You have given everything to raise children together and plan together and pay the light bills together. Pay the light bills together. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And, And in doing that, you thought you ensured a life together forever. And one day he wakes up and he decides he's out and he walks away. Or how about this? You've paid your dues, you've invested in the company, you've given the best years of your life to this company, and one day they decide it's time to downsize, and you're one of the first to go. Or how about this one? Your teenage daughter breaks up with her boyfriend, like a billion teenage girls had done before her, but instead of reaching out to friends, or even to you, or even to God, she gets a hold of some meth, and two hits later, begins a downward spiral of her life. These are things that move the target. What we had aimed our lives towards, what we had almost hit the bullseye of, suddenly has changed, suddenly has moved. This is very similar to the story we'll be reading today, a story of a woman in the Old Testament. She did everything right. She came from a good, godly family. She married a boy from a good, godly family. God was clearly blessing their family. She was pregnant, not just pregnant, but pregnant with a boy. Everything was exactly like she'd always hoped and dreamed. And suddenly the carpet was pulled out from under her. Suddenly everything changed. Uh, the, The edict of the king, the edict of the pharaoh changed her entire life. What do you do? Well, this is a very strong woman. This is a very strong woman with a very strong life, uh, faith. And I believe that we together, thousands of years later after she lived, we can learn a lot from this woman. This woman is named, let's see if you've ever heard of her, Jochebed. 
I'm going to tell you her story. If you have a Bible, open up with me to the Old Testament, the second book of the Bible. The book is called Exodus, or you can aim your, your cell phone at that little QR code, pull up the sermon notes, the Bible text, or just follow on the screen behind me. I wonder how many of us have ever heard of Jochebed. We've heard of Moses. Moses is her boy, but how many of us have heard of her? Jochebed is how you would say it in English, maybe with a Hebrew accent. It sounds more like Jochebed. But Yochaved, Joe, we'll call her, she lived thousands of years ago. And here's what we're going to do today. As we read her story, these first 10 verses of chapter 2, we're going to understand a bit of her story. Not, not so much Moses' story, but the, the story of Moses' mommy. And here's the deal. Any similarity between her story and your story, any lessons you may or may not learn from her story are purely coincidental. Our goal today is to dig into her story because why? Because powerful women in the Bible are worth telling their stories. I believe there is so much richness in all of the Bible, of course, but especially in the story of powerful women. What better day than Mother's Day to read a story about a powerful woman? So listen in with your ears and with your heart and spirit. I believe what made this woman the powerful woman she was will help us, ladies, guys, to be the powerful people of God we are called to be. So Exodus chapter 2, let me start with verse 1. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole story, then we'll dig back in and understand more about her past and her, her plan, her legacy, even her power. Let's talk about this. Exodus chapter 2 verse 1 says this. So now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, your translation might say a beautiful child, she hid him for three months, but when she could not hide him any longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch, then she placed the baby into it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. His sister, her name was Miriam, his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds. She sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying. She felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Hey, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women who can nurse this baby for you? Yes, great idea. So glad you thought of it spontaneously. Yes, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother, Yochaved. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby, nurse him for me, and I will even pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So this is Yochaved's story. I believe that digging into her story, understanding where she came from, where this plan, this crazy plan came from, but even what her legacy, her power was, will help us today, thousands of years later, ladies, of course, but guys as well, to live the same kind of powerful, extraordinary life. So let's, let's just dig in and understand her life first. First of all, her past. Let's understand her past. Verse 1 says this, Now a man of the, Levi tribe, a, the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant, gave birth to a son. Okay, that's what we have so far. What does this tell us about her past? She came from a good family. 
She came from a good, godly family. The Levites were that, that godly tribe of all the Israelites. They were very much detached to worship, temple worship. They were the ones that, that God would choose to be the priests, even the worship leaders. This is a good family. She's marrying a boy also from a good family. Their families may probably even knew each other. They would have said, this is a good decision. That's a good boy. He's one of ours. She's like us. This is good. God is going to bless us. And sure enough, it says right there, she became pregnant. Not just pregnant, but pregnant with a son. This is a sign that God is blessing. In those days, a baby, a birth was a blessing, a mitzvah. God is clearly all over this young couple. God is blessing them with a child and not just a child, but a boy. God is happy with this couple. And then the Bible says something unusual. Verse 2, when she saw that he was a fine child. And again, in your translation, it may say the word beautiful. That's the actual Hebrew word there. Extraordinary or beautiful or extraordinarily beautiful. Now I get it. We all think our kids are the most beautiful babies ever. And Unfortunately for y'all, it is true in my case, all four of my babies are the most beautiful babies ever created on earth. So, so I don't know who God thinks this Moses kid was, but my kids were by far much prettier. But, but in this case, he was called a beautiful baby, not just beautiful, but extraordinarily so, and not just beautiful, but three different times in the Bible, God reiterates how beautiful this baby was. Clearly, this was a really really, really important tidbit of information. God wants to be known that he was beautiful because of all that would happen, all that Yochaved would have to go through to save this boy's life. Boy, I'm glad he wasn't one of those ugly babies. You know, like with the kind that have to grow into his ears, grow into his nose. No, this was a beautiful baby, surely worth all the work. And then it says something even stranger. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. What? This is not the kind, I mean, there are babies you want to hide. I get it. I've, I've seen them, not in my house, but I've seen them. There are babies, but not this baby. This was a beautiful baby. This is the kind of baby you show off. When you showed this, you would go on extra walks in the park just so people could see your baby. Why? Because you're proud of your beautiful baby. But this is a sign that God is clearly happy with you. He gave you a boy. That is a blessing. But he gave you the most beautiful boy anyone in the entire park, in the entire church, in the entire world had ever seen. Clearly, this is a reward for you because you are special. You've done something so special, you deserve this reward. This is what's going on. But why would she hide a baby that is that special? What is the reason? We don't have time to dig in, but if we were to go back to chapter 1, this is chapter 2, go back to chapter 1 of the story, uh, the, the time of the favor from the pharaohs for the Jews is over. When Joseph was the second in command in Egypt and he brought all of the Jews with him during the, the great famine, the pharaoh gladly shared everything they had because of the testimony of Joseph, a Jew who was living among them. That pharaoh died. Now there's a new pharaoh, new pharaoh, new rules. He did not know Joseph, nor he did not know all of the connection that the Egyptians had with the Jews. And suddenly the Jews are growing. They're like rabbits. They're having more and more babies. He tried, the Bible says, he tried to work them to death. The Bible says later in chapter 6 that Amram was the name of Moses' daddy. He lived to be 137 years old during this time of, of hard labor where the, the Pharaoh was trying to kill them with hard work. Apparently, it is not true. Hard work, teenage boys. Hard work does not kill you. 
it makes you stronger. So, so that didn't work. So instead of working them to death, he decides to kill them. And so he makes a decree that any baby boy that is born, not the girls, but any baby boy that is born, it must be killed. It must be taken into the Nile and thrown into the Nile River infested with crocodiles, a horrible death. And this is what he is born into. This is that situation. God, are you kidding me? The timing is terrible. This is Moses. You're going to use this kid to lead your people out of Egypt. He is going to be arguably the greatest uh, Hebrew leader in the entire Old Testament. He needs to grow up in a stable home. He needs to have strong, godly parents that pour into him for at least 18 years, if not longer. He needs to, he needs to feel safe and comfortable at home so he can be, be big and strong and lead the people of God one day. This is terrible timing, Lord. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Here's what's happening. In the middle of all this pain, in the middle of all this grief, in the middle of all of this terror, in the middle of all of this great sadness and destruction of life, God bursts into that a baby. Not just a baby, a perfectly beautiful baby. This baby would grow to save his people out of slavery. Does this sound at all familiar to any of us? God is calling this, and this is what God does. He bursts into a horrible, terrible, scary situation, something beautiful. The problem is many of us, sometimes most of us, we are so fixated on the ugliness of our world, the ugliness of our situation, the ugliness of our culture. We miss the beautiful gifts of God right in the midst of that. And, and we, we hunker down and we, we hide out and we, we cover our eyes and we huddle together in little Christian circles, not wanting to go out because it's so scary and so terrorizing and so ugly outside. And God bursts into that something so beautiful that will lead his people to freedom. Don't miss the beauty in that. But Yochabed, she did not miss it. Yochabed had great faith. Yochabed had great hope. And so Yochabed had a baby right in the midst of this horrible situation. But there's something else about Yochabed we have to know, especially when we're talking about her past. We need to understand this to understand where she came from and why she did what she did. Let me, let me talk about this. It says, um, verse 1 again, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. Nothing unusual about that. Talking about a couple folks getting married. Sometimes, sometimes the Bible will mention names. Sometimes it doesn't. This is really not that exciting that it doesn't mention their names. It just says a girl met a guy. They got married. Great. Good story. The difference is we're reading this in, in our English translation. If we were to read this book in the, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew language, it would be very different. You see, this book in English is called Exodus. Exodus means the exodus from, from Egypt into the promised land. That's why we call it that. We're, we're naming it for what this book is about. In Hebrew, it's very different. In fact, it has a different name. In Hebrew, they would have named the book based on the first few words of that book. So Genesis, in the beginning. That's why it's called Genesis, beginning. This book, it starts out with the words, um, and here are the names. These are the names. So this book in Hebrew is called Names, or Book of the Names. So if you're reading a book in the Bible, you should have your spiritual antennas up. You should have your heart open, your spirit open, reading God's word to see what God wants to say to you. If you're reading a book called Book of Names, or just simply Names, guess what? 
You need to be ready to hear, keyed in on whatever names come up, because clearly that's important. God named the book Names. So you're reading chapter 2, you get all the way in, and God decides to introduce the family of arguably, I believe, the most powerful, most important leader of the entire Old Testament. And there's no names mentioned. What's going on here? It's called the Book of Names, probably the most important family we've met up to this point, maybe in the entire Old Testament, and he doesn't mention their names. Why not? Let me go back to something, and we, in fact, uh, actually ahead, it's in chapter 6, that's where we finally hear their names. You're saying, well, how'd you get the name Yochabed, pastor? I haven't even seen it yet. Well, look at Exodus chapter 6. Let me just read it to you. Amram, Amram married his father's sister, Yochabed, who bore him Aaron and Moses. Amram lived 137 years. It was this Aaron and this Moses to whom the Lord said, bring the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. This same Moses and Aaron. So that comes in, verse, in chapter 6. So God eventually does give us her name, but not till then. Why did he wait so long? Let me read you the verse one more time. So Amram married his father's sister, Jochebed. Married his father's sister. Married his, what? His aunt? Ew, David. That's gross. That's weird. That's strange. That's scandalous. Fortunately for them, it wasn't yet illegal. Leviticus chapter 18 had not yet been written. Moses wasn't even born yet. He would have to be born, grow up, and write the, uh, the, books of the, the first five books of the Old Testament where, it ha- where we have the law in Leviticus chapter 18, you shall not marry your brother or sister. I guess that's in there. But, I mean, so, so this hadn't happened. So it wasn't illegal, but it was at least weird. It was strange. It was certainly scandalous. So this was undercover. She had a background. She had a history. She had a backstory that maybe Moses didn't want anyone to know. Maybe the writers of this book didn't want anyone to know. Maybe it wasn't yet time to put that out. Here's the deal. It didn't bother God. God chose Jochebed. God used Jochebed powerfully, not only in her son's life, but, but obviously clearly all the way to us. Thousands of years later, her backstory, her background did not decide her destiny. Anyone here got a backstory? <laughs> Anyone here got a background? Your background does not decide your destiny. What you've done, what you thought, what you said... In prayer and forgiveness and repentance, God can use you powerfully. He used her powerfully. This is her past. This is Jochebed's past. Does it sound at all like yours? A great start? Maybe a shady start? A difficult pathway to get where God called her? But God used her life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he can use your past and your backstory as well. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So that was her past. Now let's look at her plan. Look at verses 3 and 4 right there in chapter number 2. But when she could not hide him any longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed a child in it, put it among the reeds on the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Let's just stop right there. We'll keep going in a minute. Well, what's going on here? When she could not hide him any longer, the Bible said. 
why not? Did, did he, not only beautiful, but he grew fast. Within three months, he was just too big and too rambunctious. Clearly, no, it was, it was his lungs. For the first couple months, they could kind of muffle or, or, or speak over, maybe scream over his little cries. But by the time a healthy baby boy is three months old, he's got some lung power. And the last thing they wanted was for someone outside of their home to hear crying. Because if they did, here's the deal. Anyone, any Egyptian citizen could have barged into their home and checked out. If it was a girl, fine. What a blessing. Enjoy your baby girl. Had it been a boy, any citizen could have grabbed that baby and thrown him into the Nile River to be killed. They were scared. They were scared to death. This little baby, three months old, already had the power in his lungs and in his mouth to cause death and destruction for himself, probably even for his entire family. So much power he had in his mouth. Funny. Just a few years later, when Moses is a grown-up man, God comes to Moses. God wants to call Moses. God has a calling on his life, and he's sending him out with his incredible mission to bring his people out of slavery into the promised land. Do you remember what Moses' pushback was? Oh, Lord, I don't know if I can pull that one off. You know me. I don't talk so good. You remember that? Apparently, his mouth was plenty strong enough to demand what he wanted. I want milk, and I want it now. I want a fresh diaper, and I want it now. I want what I want, and I don't want what I don't want. But when it comes time to serve the Lord, suddenly that same mouth is just, it's just too weak, Lord. Folks, I am literally looking right at you. You can't look away. I, I'm a pastor. I'm allowed to look at you. I'm looking right at you. I see this way too much. We know what we will. We know what we want. We know what we don't want. And we are verbal about that. We are very verbal. Our mouth is powerful enough that everyone around us knows when we're happy and not happy about something going on in our lives or in our church family. That's not the problem. But when it comes time to serve God with your mouth and, and, and share an invitation with a neighbor, uh, console a hurting friend, share the gospel with someone in our city, suddenly that same powerful mouth is just too weak, Pastor. I just, I just, I need a few more years. Would you come, Pastor, and do it for me? God was calling us to do that, to serve him. Let me read verse three and four, one, verse four one more time. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Uh, do you hear what, what, what she did? Her plan was not only to, to um, care for this baby and protect him at three months, but also uh, to hide him at three months, but also to place him in a basket. She got a basket, prepared with pitch, laid it specifically in the reeds so it wouldn't float away. The crocodiles didn't come that close to shore where the reeds were, placed it strategically right where she, I, I imagine she would have known where the princess would come for bathing and swimming time. She, she strategically played everything she did, she did on purpose. She had a plan and a strategy in that. As, as perfect as a plan as that may have been in her mind, if you and I were to watch some random lady put her own three-month-old baby in a basket smeared with tar, walk it down to the river full of crocodiles, set it in the water, even though it was on the shore, still it's in the water, and then walk away, what would we have done? 
called 911 DCS. There's a crazy woman down here, and rightly so. Please make sure you make that call if that ever happens. But for her, this is exactly what God was calling her. This was her only way to save her baby. We have to be so careful not to judge others, not knowing their story, not knowing their backstory, not knowing what they're walking through at that time. God was calling her to do this. The the creativity, the ingenuity of a young mommy in desperation knows no end. Put yourself in her shoes for for just a minute. Uh, Let's understand, for any of us who have ever had kids, even before that child comes, we begin dreaming. We begin planning the the reveal party, the the baby shower, the birth, the the decoration of the room. It it goes even beyond that. You know, what what preschool and what school, uh, their first date, their first school dance, what college, and then, oh, their wedding. Our minds are spinning, as was her mind. And suddenly, all of that was ripped out from under her. All of that was taken away. There would be none of that in little baby Moses' life. And she began scrambling as fast as she could for a plan B. Plan B was keep this baby alive at all costs. She probably had about one year to come up with a plan. The the nine months of his pregnancy, if she knew about this decree before she became pregnant, and then the three months she had with little baby Moses, 12 months, that was it, to plan and to scheme. She ran through all of the possible outcomes. She calculated all of the options. But on that day, on that last day, she knew it was time. That day had come when she took her baby and she put him in a basket She grabbed that basket into her arms, and she walked down to the Nile. She placed the basket into the reeds. Maybe she held on, but eventually she let go of the basket, and she walked away. What do you think? On that day, in that process, which of those steps was the hardest? Probably that last step. Placing the baby into the reeds, into the water, into the Nile, letting go of the basket, and walking away from your baby for the last time. That was, that was probably the hardest step. Unless, unless you think back to the day she actually bought that basket. The day she had to go down to the market and pick out a papyrus basket that was the right size for little baby Moses. I almost believe that was the hardest day because on that day, she decided to put her plan into practice. She decided that that all hope was lost, all hope of salvation, her dreams for her baby boy and keeping her baby boy at home with her were dead. And she bought the basket. I remember very specifically like I can see it like it was yesterday when that day came for Chanel and for me with our boy Christopher. Christopher is our special needs boy. He was born very early, very small. You know, sometimes when special needs babies are born, you can, you can see visibly what their special need is. Sometimes you can't. It's, it's kind of hidden. For those families like ours, It begins this game, this waiting game, this prayer game, and we garnered prayer, and we prayed, and we hoped, and we believed the best for our son, that one day he would be saved, one day he would be healed, all the while fearing 
that if we let out even just the slightest hint of doubt in our own lives, our boy would suffer from that, and he would never be healed. Shortly after he was born, shortly after he was released from the uh, NICU, he, he came home, and uh, God was good and gracious. We didn't think so at the time, but he gave us Isabella just a couple months later, his baby sister, Isabella. When she was born on that day, Christopher was finally birth weight after an entire year and two days of growth, and they looked almost like twins. So we went out and bought one of those twin strollers, and we pushed them around like they were twins. The problem was... Isabella continued to grow and get fatter and healthier. Within no time, she was crawling out of that twin stroller. At the age of two, she didn't even want to be in the stroller anymore. What are we going to do? This stroller helped us feel normal, think that maybe one day all of our children would be normal. But again, God was gracious. He sent us Olivia. Olivia fit right in that twin stroller. She grew, but she grew even faster than Isabella. She was even more busy than Isabella. She was out of that thing way before two years were over. And one day, when Chris was five years old, it was clear. Isabella didn't need the stroller. Olivia didn't need the stroller. And we could no longer patch, glue, duct tape that twin stroller anymore. It was time to buy a little boy wheelchair. I hope you never buy a little boy wheelchair. It was not a good day. Somehow for us, you know, if other people have different experiences, that's fine. For us, it meant the death of a dream. We were hoping and praying and thinking and believing that our boy would one day be normal. But the day we bought that, we admitted what reality was for us. And God has blessed us tremendously. In fact, there's a, there's a picture. I think we have a picture of, of that shortly after that. You break back there? There you go. That's a little boy. Actually, he, was, he wasn't even that big the day we bought it. He's a couple years old beyond that now. But that's how tiny he was. And, 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 and in buying that wheelchair and admitting that things weren't ever going to change, we realized this was our reality. That same thing is what Yochebed was thinking on that day. She had hoped, she had prayed, she had dreamed. Maybe God would intervene. Maybe God would change the decree. Maybe God would save her and her baby and her family. But on that day, she knew this is what it is. I accept it. I move forward with it. God is calling us to do just that. This was her plan. It may look nothing like any plans you've ever come up with, especially those of us that live nowhere near crocodiles, but this was her God-given plan. Does God have a plan for you? Maybe, maybe that moving target is because God wants you to adopt from him a new plan. The old plan you've been living by is no longer in effect, and he has a new plan completely out of the box. Maybe something crazy like the plan he gave Yochebed. That was her past, that was her plan. Let's talk about her legacy. Look at verses 7, 8, 9, and 10. Then his sister uh, asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So that's, that's the legacy that she plans. Can you imagine 
Can you imagine what this looked like for her? She, she never stopped celebrating. This was an incredible day. She couldn't even believe her ears. I bet she pinched herself a hundred times that day saying, I must be dreaming. But in her wildest dreams, she never could have come up with this dream. God was going to save her and save her baby. His life had been spared. Not only that, she would be able to hold him again in her arms, even raise him in her home. And on top of all of that, the craziest thing of all, the government was going to pay her to raise her own child, just like in Canada. And as all the... <laughs> I had to wait till all of our Canadians went back north to, to tell that one, but um, we love you. <laughs> Keep watching. But after all that celebrating ended, after all that jubilee, I bet it went for days. God, I don't blame them. I hope it went for weeks. But when all that began to calm down and reality set in, she heard in the back of her mind that clock ticking. She knew that her time with her boy was limited. She knew the time that she would have with little baby Moses was on a time limit. And one day it, was, it would end. So just as she had done before with the plan that God gave her to save Moses' life, she begins planning again, strategically, methodically, passionately planning what she would do. What does he need to know before he leaves my house? The, the stories he needs to memorize, the traditions he needs to experience the songs he needs to be able to sing the family members he needs to hug and kiss and learn from what must he do and and be able to do before he leaves my house he must be able to quote scripture and and pray for himself and and always find his way back home these are the things that she would pour into him in the the limited probably four or five maybe maybe six years at the most that she would have had with her little baby boy parents mommies and daddies grandmas and grandpas listen to me right now this is no different than the the job that god has given us today now granted you will probably lord willing have more than just four or five or six years with your child. But whatever it is, it's limited. How will you use your time, use your influence? Because one day the influence you now have, grandmas, grandpas, mommies, daddies, that influence that you now have will end. And your child, your grandchild will go away. Will you invest in dance class and singing class and sports? Or will you invest in, in bringing them along with you to serve here in the church or, or outside in the community? Will you teach them and encourage them to learn how to navigate the world wide web? Or will you teach them to navigate the word of God? Will you, will you teach them and, and encourage them to quote pop culture and, and pop music and, and sports statistics? Or will you teach them to pray and to pray fervently? I'm not bashing on those other things. That's all a part of growing up in childhood. I'm not advocating for 18 years straight of Sunday school. But what I'm, what I'm, say, what I'm saying is this, that too often we, we invest heavily in things and, and, and skills that are very effective in a world that is dying and decaying. And we miss out on the training, the skills necessary to survive in a kingdom that is eternal. This is our job. This is our role. Understanding all of that, understanding her past, understanding her plan, understanding the legacy that she would leave to her boy Moses, who arguably changed 
our, uh, God's people all the way up to today, we need to understand what made this woman the woman she was. What was her secret sauce? What was the power that she had? What made her Yochebed? Let me jump all the way to Hebrews, all the way at the end of the New Testament. This is the last time we read about Yochebed and Moses and Amram. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 says this. By faith... Moses' parents hid him for three days after he was born. Why? Because they saw he was no ordinary child. And two, because they were not afraid of the king's edict. This is what made Jochebed the woman she was. This is the power that she possessed that enabled her to do crazy wild things, to not only chase down but to find and hit right in the bullseye a very very moving target is your target moving today uh, before we understand all about Jochebed understand this one little bit there's three things that we learned from her number one right there in verse 23 it says she acted in faith faith in the Lord she had to learn she must learn even before Moses was born she trusted the Lord before we can entrust our kids and our grandkids to the Lord before we can place their lives in his hands at the age of 18 or 21 or nowadays 35 before we can do that God is calling us to trust him ourselves she trusted God God is calling us to do that even in our crazy world I know I get it. I hear it all the time, and I agree with you. That is a crazy, scary world out there. There might not be physical crocodiles waiting to devour your children, but they're scouring the internet, and they're all over our schools and at night in our neighborhoods looking to devour your teenagers. I get it. It's scary. No more scary than what Jochebed was facing. And because she trusted the Lord, she had faith in the Lord, she acted in faith, and she placed in full confidence the life of her baby boy Moses in the hands of the Lord. Secondly, the Bible says right there, she could read the signs. It says that she saw or they saw that this was no ordinary child. If you were to dig into the word ordinary there, it's the same word as back in the, uh, the Old Testament, the Hebrew translation. It means beautiful, that he was exceptionally beautiful. This is clearly out of the ordinary. We've talked about this so many times. When we're reading something in God's word and something comes up that's not what you expect, that not what you've seen elsewhere, your spiritual alarm should perk up. Hey, what is God saying? Hey, what is God doing? Is God telling me something new? Is God teaching me something new? The same is true in our lives. If something comes up like this, boy, there's all kind of baby. We've already had two. She had Miriam, she had Aaron, nice kids, healthy kids, godly kids would later lead their people as well with Moses, great kids, this one's extraordinary. This one's extra beautiful. God's clearly doing something special. Pay attention. Open your heart. Your spiritual sensitivity cannot be dulled by the, the constant, relentless battering of the world's influence so you can see it. She saw it, and she acted upon it. And then thirdly, it says right here, they did not fear the edict of the king. No peer pressure no social media influencer, no powers of this world could deter this woman from following the command of God on her life. There was nothing that she feared more than doing what God had called her to do. 
women, ladies, guys, we need more Yochebeds. Women, guys, who are, are willing to, to act in faith, move out in faith, and trust in God. To, to watch for the signs, that moving target, and then in faith to ignore the, the, the enticements or the, the relentless barrage of peer pressure from the world and go straight for the target that God has set before us. Have you been chasing after a moving target these days? Maybe it's been quite a while and you don't even know how to move forward. Are you willing to lay down old plans and old ways of doing things? Are you willing to to let God do something new, maybe even something extraordinary in you and through you. If that's true, you just may be a Yochebed. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for women like this. I personally, as a pastor of this church family, I thank you that I know some Yochebeds today. They have been powerful influences in my life. Pray that you would bless them and honor them for for modeling biblical power, biblical wisdom, biblical faith in today's time. But God, my prayer is for those who are not yet living that out, women and men here in our church family. God, I pray that we would not only learn from Yochebed, but we would be inspired, even challenged to live like she did. But I thank you for the power that you use and you reveal to the women in our lives. Continue to pour generously into our ladies as they pour into us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.